You just always grow up thinking you need to go to college and then you need to make this career path and make this amount of money so you're secure, you have insurance and this and that. But I feel like things are definitely changing and you don't really need that and you can build your own business and be successful at it. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today, we have special guest Christine with us. Christine is Tour de Lust on Instagram, and we have known each other for over a year now. And I've actually learned a lot from Christine and seeing how her journey has gone uh, as an influencer. It's been very inspiring, and she's always very very, very approachable, really friendly, and really down to earth as an influencer. So I think today we can learn a lot from Christine and her journey. So welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thank Excited you for be being here. here. Um, could you just give us a brief, I guess, one-liner of like what your handles are and what you do? My name is Christine Tran. My handle is Tordelas. I'm a blogger, influencer, so I usually use Instagram, TikTok, and I have my own blog. So I know you started about five years ago, right? Um, 2016. Yeah. yeah. So just um, maybe almost a year before me, when you first started, what prompted you to start creating content? And was it mostly on a blog or on Instagram? I did it all at once. So I had moved to San Francisco and I didn't know anyone and I just wanted to pick up a hobby. And at this time, I feel like travel influencers or influencers in general were just really growing. So I started following a bunch of travel bloggers and I was like, wait, I want to do this too. They're traveling the world. This is crazy. So I literally just decided to buy a camera and then I told myself I'm going to start the blog and start all of my social media and then I took a big trip to Japan and then just started taking a bunch of photos. And then that's when I started to vlog. Yeah. So actually, when you, before you started and you saw all these people who were doing this, you were also just taking photos on your own, more like you're on your phone while you're mm -hmm. traveling. But you're also already super into traveling, right? I've always been into traveling growing up. My parents, my family, we all love traveling, especially in the summer when we can. And then with Ryan, whenever we have time, we try to travel as much as possible. Yeah. So I was always taking pictures, but on my iPhone. Yeah, I feel like if, if there's something that you're naturally doing and passionate about yeah. to document that entire process and share it online is like a really good place and a natural way to start influencing so when you first moved to san francisco that was because uh your boyfriend at the time yeah ryan had a job opportunity right yeah and you were also able to transfer there yeah so actually when i was working in new york city i had yelp and i was a yelp elite i was going to events getting free food already oh <laughs> you were you were like the influencer before influencers existed yeah so i was writing reviews and going yeah. to events and i didn't know anyone i would just go to events eat 
and to talk to people who like to eat. And then people at work knew this and they were like, you need to start a blog. And I actually tried to start a social media handle with another friend of mine that also liked food. So we were trying to be a food blogger and then it just didn't work out and we didn't do anything with it. And then I just, um, when I moved to San Francisco for Ryan's job, I was also able to move within my own company since it was Macy's and they had a corporate office out there. So mm-hmm. I just transferred. And then when I got there, I was like, I don't know anyone. I need something to do. And then that's how I started the blog. I see. I see. So it was partially hobby interest, but also to kill some time, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But it was always there. People were always telling me you should do it. But in New York, I just felt like you're just so busy. And I was yeah. like, no one's going to care about my blog. Just go to my Yelp page. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then San Francisco, I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's time. Yeah, that's very interesting because I feel like the mentality was very different then when people were saying like, oh, you should start a blog or you felt like, oh, nobody would see it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I think people really know that this is a pretty mature industry or becoming more mature as an industry and that there are proper opportunities and ways you can monetize and Mm -hmm. make it full time and so it's kind of like a different mentality going in nowadays when you you start a blog and an instagram when you first started posting and gaining some traction with with followers was it because you were creating these um sort of Instagram worthy photos and did you actively go and study those types of content and create it that way so that you could get the most growth on your account? Yes. I feel like during this time there was a lot of influencers like do you travel? Like a lot of that type of travel where people are small. Yeah, it was a very wanderlusty where you go to an epic place and then you're small, you're just running in the field or whatever so I kind of did study and that's what people were doing that's what people were saving on Pinterest or whatever it is and then I just kept like mimicking those types of photos and I think during that time Instagram was still really growing so it was a lot easier to grow in general yeah um although uh, later on I do want to talk about some of the amazing growth that you have seen recently too so um Instagram I feel like went through this period where people were growing like left and right, um, probably around that period, like 2014 to 16. Mm -hmm. But, and then it sort of slowed down a little bit, but recently with a lot of reels and whatnot, I think there's also been a lot more growth that uh, accounts of all different sizes have been able to see. Um, I want to come back to that later, but first I do want to talk a little bit more about your time in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. How long did it take for you to get to your first 100,000 followers? And then how long did it take for you to realize like, this is something that I want to do full time? It took me about exactly one year to hit 100K. I was pretty shocked that I hit 100K in probably like that same week I started my Instagram. Wow. And then I, after two year, two years, I hit 200K. And that's like, okay, let's do 300K in three years. And then it completely slowed down. Yeah. <laughs> I've been stuck forever. <laughs> and then reels came and that's what helped. Yeah. Um, the growth on Instagram and on social media in general, what I've learned is that it's not linear. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on the platform. It depends on what's happening and what's trending. Um, it also depends on like the, the growth methods that you're using, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for you, you saw a lot of success in the beginning. 
And then at what point did you decide, was it more the follower count or the growth rate that made you decide to quit your job? Or was it like you saw that there was a lot of monetization opportunities? Well, I hit the one year mark and I think I was getting, I was getting um, free trips at this time. I went on one press trip and I used up all my vacation days for the year basically. And then next, the following month, I had another one. And my bot, I asked my boss like, it's a great opportunity, can I go? And she was like, you just came back from one, we need you here. So I, at that point I was like, I'm gonna start getting more opportunities and this is like once in a lifetime opportunity where I can travel the world for free. So I turned that one down and then I got another one. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. So I start to, started just really saving up money. I talked to Ryan about it. Like, will he be okay if I decided to quit? I might need his support. <laughs> and he was not on board, but I eventually got him on board. <laughs> I basically had to save up about three, four months worth. Um, didn't spend any money. And at this time, I think Instagram, I was getting free clothes at least, you know? Yeah. So I wasn't spending any money really. And I was working, so... Yeah, I just saved up a couple thousand, really. And then I was like, let me see if this works. But the moment you quit, I think that really pushes you to reach out and start asking for money. Wait, you saved a couple thousand? Yeah, maybe 10,000. <laughs> That's really different. <laughs> a couple thousand. Okay, sorry, 10,000. <laughs> maybe a little bit more than 10,000. But I also yeah. had like prior savings right, on my right. own. But like 10,000 when I said I was going to start saving. Yeah. Okay, so when you actually <clears throat> quit your job, there was, it wasn't like a steady inflow of income just yet. No, uh, when I quit my job, but the good thing is I never had to ask Ryan or anyone for money. I was like, okay, I wonder how long it's going to take for me to be like, Ryan, I need money. <laughs> or because I was still paying at least my portion of the rent too. Yeah. So I think it really pushed me to reach out to brands to get paid or ask for money when they reach out to me. And plus, I think I was going on a, a lot of trips and you literally spent no money. Yeah. So. And a lot of your clothings or most of your clothing were gifted. So you had very little expenses, right? Very little expenses. Just some life expenses, some transportation and um, maybe some camera upgrade. But even that, once mm -hmm. you have your set, <laughs> you're yeah. good and you don't need to spend more money. Right? Yeah. You really don't, don't need that much. Yeah. If you can grow an influence and then leverage that influence to save money with your life expenses, to continue creating content and continue growing that way, that's when it can become a viable option to actually quit your job and then go full force and monetize it properly. Mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays there's so many people who have like 20K and are doing it full time. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> you're amazing. True. Well, I do think that when you quit your job, even at like one or 200K, the influencer industry was not as um, mature back then. And yeah. so a lot of opportunities were not paid. And also people were just more doing it as a hobby. So they were more willing to do it yeah. for free. And, and nowadays it's a lot different. We realize that this influence actually holds a lot of value and that we do have power. And even just the content itself mm -hmm. that brands get to use on the social media is really valuable for them. It's money that they otherwise have to spend on photographers and models and creative directors and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned that you were getting quite a few things gifted. You were getting free trips. How did you learn that you could actually get 
paid for these trips or like how did you go about figuring out the path to becoming a monetized influencer? I mean, I was starting to see other people getting paid for it. And of course, I wasn't getting any payment. So I really needed that income and I wanted this to work. So I started started to just really follow a lot of blog, other bloggers and whoever that's similar size of me or whatever, whoever it was, I would save their photos if I saw that they worked with a brand. And then when I had a trip or something, I would be like, oh, I remember that brand worked with this person and it was paid or it, had, it said hashtag ad. So let me reach out to them. And a lot of my payments back then were clothing. It wasn't much, wow. but it was at least something. Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising. Mm -hmm. And because I think in this industry, we have this concept that clothing mm -hmm. lines don't pay. Yeah. Um, they don't pay as that much as relative as, you know. to other industries. Right. But they did at that time, you know, just a couple hundred or something like that for like one post that I would probably would have posted anyway, because I needed that dress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's crazy. But another thing I would do is tell them like, oh, I'm already going on this trip here. I can give you extra photos for this amount. You know, for them, they're like, oh, might as well. They're going to this amazing destination. So we might as well get five extra photos from her. I guess in addition to looking at other people's posts, were you also um, networking in the industry with other influencers, sort of chatting with them and getting to know how they're figuring things out and if they're getting paid and that yes kind of stuff. so in san francisco i had a few influencer friends um some of them reached out to me and then i reached out to some of them and we would go get coffee and then immediately we'd be like oh i like you okay let's go to take pictures together and then we'll go take pictures together and then you know you build that relationship and then you ask yeah. questions and we learn from each other and most of the time i feel like at that time a lot of us were still also new as well so we're both kind of all learning from each other yes versus now there's so many different varies of different types of influencers. It's harder to ask someone that you, you know, that might have been in it for like a lot longer than you have. Right. Yeah. I guess it, it does help to talk with your peers. And yeah. I think there's a big portion of what we do is actually networking. And mm -hmm. I think that's not talked about a lot. And it's not just like networking with brands, but also networking with, other. with other influencers, because that's really how you learn about, the campaigns or what kind of budget these people are working with are they known to be stingy or <laughs> are they generally able to offer the rates that you ask yeah. that kind of stuff or even just knowing the agency that someone worked with in order to get this particular brand deal is already mm -hmm. that insider information that we probably didn't know before asking and talking with other people yeah also just like referring other influencers yes well, yeah, my first trip was with another influencer that had referred me. So that's yeah. how my very first trip happened, my first press trip. Yeah, definitely. That's huge. I actually feel like um, for me as well, after I met you and Ilona, that's when I, I started feeling like maybe some brands were starting to see me as well mm -hmm. when we hung out, which I didn't know would happen. And I was kind of surprised. But yeah. I, I realized later on that a lot of PR people are actively following the influencers that either they like or they have mm -hmm. already worked with and they're seeing what other influencers that they're okay. hanging out with. And so exactly. when you, when you hang out together, it's kind of like your, your little group gets picked up all together yeah. by these mm -hmm. PR companies. We actually went on a trip together to, uh, with Qatar Airways to Qatar and then Maldives after that. 
and they picked us, you, Ilona, and me. And I'm pretty sure it's this combination because like we hang out a、yeah. lot. And that was just such a fun trip because we're all like super familiar with each、yeah. other. We know what kind of content we want, and we wake up at the same time to get the the content. Perfect. And the trip was just really amazing, and everything was taken care of.、Mm-hmm. Um, that was very memorable. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like a lot of PR girls or guys who are in the industry definitely will follow the influencers that they like. And have worked with, and they tend to see who are they friends with, and then they'll work with that whole group usually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel for me in my mind, you're like the master of networking. I think you do it very naturally.、Mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're like intentionally going out there and being calculative and saying like, okay, I got to network、mm-hmm. with X number of people. But I just think you naturally have this.、Um, Very personable demeanor, and you're very friendly with everyone, and so you kind of just naturally become friends with all these、yeah. people. Can you maybe offer some tips for others to、yeah. network with maybe brands or PR、uh, people or even other influencers? So first, I'll say in San Francisco there wasn't a lot of PR agencies, so I barely, I didn't really network there as much. Um, but even then, when I was in San Francisco, I was already googling PR agencies in San Francisco or LA or New York, and I'll send them my media kit just to be like, "Hey, I'm Christine, and this is what I do. I love to work with you. You have anything coming up or events?" So I've already did that in San Francisco. And the moment I had moved to New York, I already knew there were so many PR agencies here. So I went through my email list and was like, "Okay." I'm in New York. Hi, I'm here. Like, let's go get coffee, and people will be like, "Yeah, let's go get coffee." And then I started getting invited to events, and you know, I could be a social butterfly, but at the same time, I like being doing at nothing home. at home.、Yeah. But once I'm out with people, then I'm very like happy and a social butterfly. So I'm. I just learned to just always say yes. So I would always go to all the events, even if I didn't know anybody, and just show up and then just try to say hi or meet someone. And、yeah. even though it's super awkward at first, if you don't know anyone, eventually you'll meet a friend. Yeah, and people are really friendly. You kind of just have to force yourself to、yeah. go there and say hi to people. Usually, so, they're very very nice. Yeah. So I would say my recommendation is to Google. The PR agencies in your hometown, and even just if it's not in your hometown in New York, wherever it is, and just Google and just reach out to them and say, "Hey, I would be interested in working with your brand. This is what I do. Show them your media kit." That's like the first thing. And then if you get invited to events, definitely go.、Um, you want to show your face. You want them to know that you're there, and they you want them to know that you support them. Right. So that way, they're like, "Oh, I remember Christine. She's always coming to my events." Like, let me try to work with her on something.、Yeah. So even though sometimes I never work with a brand for a year, literally a year and a half later, they'll reach out for a campaign. So、yeah. it's not even me just saying like, "Oh, I just need to do this as a job," but it's more like I want to do it because I and and you know I like them and I like the brand and you become friends with these people, so you、yeah. want to support them too. That's definitely true. When you have a good experience in the past with them, whether it's gifting or a、mm-hmm. paid campaign. Like when they're really nice about it, or when they're really easy to work with, you're、mm-hmm. always so much more willing to share a lot more,、um, and also give them a lot more deliverables than promised. But、right. then that also is like goodwill. 
mm-hmm. for yourself as well <laughs> as and an influencer. I would say when they like you and they and they do notice that you're doing a lot of things to support them as their PR agency or supporting their brands that they work with, their clients, they tell their coworkers like, "Hey, Christine mm. is great." Like if they have any of their coworkers have a campaign, they always say like, "Oh, I know a great person that would be great for that and they'll refer me or they'll even go to a new company and then they would email me like, yeah. hey, I'm working here now and I've sent your your name to everyone here. And so. And there are some PR people who also start their own agencies. Um, we see that more and more. And when you've worked with them previously at, at the previous company that they've worked for, they will remember you and maybe mm-hmm. email you and update you. And so it's very important to always be cordial, professional, professional. punctual, <laughs> you know, all of the basics of, of right. being a business person, really. Just having that professionalism overall, I think, really helps. Oh, another thing I would say is bring your friends with you. I always say ask if I could bring a plus one and bring another influencer with you. I think I brought you to an event. Yeah, yeah. We went to a Neutrogena. Neutrogena, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, so we, like, you know, just, like, doing that, and then, like, you'll invite me to an event, so, and then we'll get to meet new other agencies, so that's all how networking works. You just kind of keep growing it, I guess. Yeah. I guess from the beginning, were you actively reaching out to brands in the beginning? And how long did it take for you to sort of set up that network where people already worked with you before or they already know that you exist and they know to reach out to you when a campaign comes up? And also, like, did you, uh, were you on these platforms, the influencer platforms in the beginning? Yeah. So in the beginning, I was on all the platforms that I could find and they all sometimes work, sometimes they don't, it just really depends. But some of them are really good for people who are just starting out. It's a great way to get at least something on your portfolio. Yeah. Um, I think Revfluence was one of them. Back in the day, it's Aspire IQ. Oh yes, that one's still decent. Um, You just have to apply to a lot of them. I think some of the ones that you've mentioned are like um, collectively. Oh yeah, collectively. Maybe four.co. Four, I've worked with four and collectively. Um, I think I've worked with a lot of the, there's another one called Hashtag Paid. I've worked with them before. Yeah, there's a ton out there. Um, I think that could be great. But also just really reaching out to the agencies and then keeping going to their events. Um, also, after six months to a year, if I haven't heard from them, sometimes I'll follow up and be like, hey, I hope everything is going well with you. And just want to check in if there's anything, any updates from your side. I would love to continue working with you and keep this relationship or even just catch up and ask for coffee again just so that they remember me because there's so many new influencers in this space yeah so yeah they might like you but they'll forget about you so staying top of mind awareness (laughs) yeah is important do you still do that now do you still ask them to either just catch up or I mean now it's harder since COVID but now not I haven't really um there's some people who I've become friends with and I just say hey let's go get lunch just because I you know I want to catch up with them in general as a friend and I follow some PR people because I've met them before so I just keep in touch with them that way you know Um, yeah I feel like it's like being on social is a great way to feel like you're still connected somehow yes because you're naturally 
um, watching their stories, maybe responding to mm -hmm. their stories or just DMing them and so on. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be a formal email follow-up kind of um, networking. Yeah. Since you mentioned COVID, how are you still able to keep in touch with um, PR people now during COVID? Or do you mostly just keep it online on social media and emails? So social media and during COVID, I have done some Zoom calls. Wow. Yeah. Um, just following up with them. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's catch up over Zoom. And we've done a few Zoom calls just chit-chatting um, yeah. to see how they're doing in general, the agency that they're working at. Because I feel like a lot of PR people, they actually move PR agencies quite a lot. So just following up to see where they're at, what they're doing or what they're working on is um, what I've been doing this past year. So would you say it took maybe two or three years to start building this whole network where people really knew like, oh, Christine Tran from Tour de Lust is a travel blogger and these are the types of things that she does. So they know to actively reach out to you versus you reaching out to them. I definitely think at least two, for me, it was at least two years. Yeah. Um, Same. Yeah, at least two to three years, I would say. Yeah, I, I made the big mistake of just holding myself up and creating content only and because I'm not as good at socializing as you so I was kind of just like okay let me create my own content and grow my account and never reach out to anybody I'm sure they will find me yeah no totally wrong mm -hmm. um, no matter what kind of amazing content you create it's still very important to do that outreach especially in the beginning and yeah. network with people yeah because I do feel like I have built that name for myself as, oh, the travel, like I am a travel blogger. I feel like people, whenever they have travel campaigns, it's like, oh, they know Christine or a tour de us. So yeah, I think it did take me at least two to three years to get to that point. And also I was surrounding myself with a, around a lot of travel bloggers. So right. I think that also helped. Yeah. Hey, I want to take a moment to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the Full-Time Influencer Podcast, I would really appreciate if you could just take one minute to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Your support really helps us to get seen and continue producing quality interviews and episodes for you. All right, now back to the show. I actually want to talk about the pivoting part where you really took a step back from traveling full time to doing more lifestyle content and a lot of fashion content as well. What triggered you to travel less? Is it more like you wanted to change up your lifestyle or did you find more joy in sharing a lot of more day-to-day -day stuff? I wasn't making money traveling. <laughs> That's so honest. There's honest truth, you guys. No, I, I do agree with you. And although there are some very successful travel influencers, generally speaking, there are a lot of opportunities that are more gifted. Mm -hmm. right? Well, the first full year, I literally was traveling every two weeks. I was home maybe three days, five days, and I'm traveling again. I don't know how it happened, but I just, I think the moment you start getting more brand deals and more tourism boards, other tourism boards are also watching those tourism boards to see what they're doing. So they're following the influencers they're working with. And then I just kept getting them, getting them. So the whole year I was traveling for free and I wasn't really making much money, but I was making some money with brands. And then after that one year mark, I was like, I need to do something about this and noticing beauty bloggers, lifestyle people are making way more money. They can be paying so much 
uh, charging so much versus travel bloggers. Oh yeah, you get the free trip. That's worth X amount. So we don't really need to pay you, but I still need to pay my bills. So I just really started to pivot and I already share all this clothing stuff and I already like makeup and beauty, skincare, and everyone uses it. Um, I just don't talk about it as much, but I do really do like it. I use it on a day-to-day -day basis like everyone else. So I, that's how I decided I'm going to start sharing a little bit more of my everyday and start traveling a little less. Uh, I was getting exhausted by the one-year mark. I was yeah. like, okay, I, I've been to over 50 countries now, and I probably had like less than 10 countries prior to being a travel blogger. I was always just going to Mexico or Hawaii with my family, and then after starting the blog, I hit over 50. I think I'm near 60 now. Wow. 60 countries. 60 countries. Yeah. That's so, a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And I got really exhausted. So I just wanted to travel a little less and just focusing more on the lifestyle aspect and want people to just come to me as a expert when it comes to travel, but also um, trust me in certain recommendations when it comes to things that I use on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes, totally. Um, I think I took that step back as well from uh, intense traveling, especially because our husbands, um, my husband was in finance no longer, but they were all, they're all working a full-time job and they can't always travel with us. And I do think it kind of takes a toll a little bit on both our, um, I guess, what is it? Health or health and relationship, <laughs> health and relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bit of a trade-off. Traveling is amazing and it's so easy to great, uh, get great content, but you do spend a lot of time away from your partner and sometimes they are not always super understanding about why you're away all the time. And I do think mm -hmm. we're kind of at the age where we want to settle down, right? That's yeah. another reason. Yeah, that's another reason why I decided to quit my job was because I was like, I'm not getting any younger. I better do this now or I'm never going to be able to do this. So that was the one thing I told Ryan, you better let me do it now or... I'm going to really regret this down the line and you won't be happy. Yes. I think that, <laughs> he that's was like, point. and he was like, okay, you're right. We're going to, you know, eventually settle down, have kids. And if you feel like you didn't get the chance to do this, you're going to be very unhappy. So this is a time to do it. But also now you have set up your own online personal brand where you can continue to work from home monetize it yeah. and work with a lot of the brands that you probably will already be using even when you become a mom. So it's really mm -hmm. like a brand and a career that could continue to, to evolve along with your life actually. For sure. And I would also, another thing I would say when it comes to working with brands, brands that you already love and you use on a day-to-day -day basis, continue to share on your stories, tag them whenever you can, because they're going to also remember like, Christine's a loyal customer already, and we already love working with her. Let's continue to work with her when we get new watches. So yes. like Pantene, I think I've worked with them at least three times now. Yeah. And Mazda, I've worked with them at least three times as well. So, so um, I, I guess I, I really want to paint out this timeline. You quit your job in 2018? 2017 2017 yeah so when you quit your job in 2017 your your job was a, a pretty good one it was like a six-figure job yeah right? mm -hmm. and you quit your job in 2017 what was it like financially as an influencer so the first year I probably didn't really make any money but the second year of being full-time influencer I made almost more than what I was making 
at my corporate job, which I was very surprised, but very happy. So I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I did this. Yeah, I did this and it felt really good that I was be able to be making more than what I was at Macy's as an analytics manager. I was a manager at that time. And then the following year, I doubled that and then COVID happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it definitely is a really good um, career path, I feel like. And, you know, you're working on your own terms, your own time. And I would have never thought that I was going to be making that much money on my own. Yeah, I'm sure when you quit your job, you probably weren't setting out like saying, I'm going to make this a multiple six figure a year income or anything. You were just really passionate about it. And it's like a rare opportunity and the rare monetization opportunity. Yeah, it was more like this is a rare opportunity and I could travel the world for free at this time. And who knows where it can take me. Yeah. It, um, I just think that so few people actually talk about the finances as an influencer. And that's sort of something that I do want to shed a little bit more light on. My monetization path was kind of similar to yours too, except it was even slower in the beginning, I think, because I was very, um, I was, I was not very active with networking or reaching out to brands. So I was basically making like zero dollars in the beginning when I quit my job to maybe like very low five figures. And then it just jumped really fast, like multiple faults the next year and then even multiple, multiple faults a year after. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there are many career choices out there that offer you this type of growth, both mm -hmm. personally, uh, content wise and yeah. monetarily as well, which is pretty amazing. It is really amazing. You just always grow up thinking you need to go to college and then you need to make this career path and make this amount of money. So you're secure, you have insurance and this and that. But I feel like things are definitely changing and you don't really need that. And you can build your own business and be successful at it. Yeah. Totally. And this is actually a very low startup cost business. <laughs> very low. I think all I have was my camera, really. And, you know, the website stuff is all a couple hundred maybe at most. And actually, I would say ongoing, it's also very high margin because we have very little expenses. We still have very little expenses. <laughs> We're still able to travel for free and get paid on top of that of course um our expenses are very little there is actually one recent expense that you had um was it starting maybe almost two years ago you had an assistant is that right oh yes how yes. did you decide that this was the right time for you to get an assistant and how does she help you out i was getting quite busy and being in New York at that time, I was going to a lot of events and sometimes I couldn't find anyone to go with. So I just needed someone to help me and also help me with my blog. I was getting bombarded with other things and I just wanted more time to do other things. And she would help me with my blog posts, help me edit some photos, help me with some of my stories um, just to get them set up, making sure everything was right. And then if I need a photographer, she's able to help me, which was really convenient because prior to having an assistant, I would always rely on another friend or another blogger, hire a photographer. And sometimes it's a lot of work to have a friend help you or even if another blogger is helping you. We're both trying to get the same shot and it can take up a lot of time. So sometimes it's just easier having my assistant come out and help me and get it done quickly. 
totally. I think every time we get another friend to help is like one token that you have to take off the shelf. <laughs> and then you kind of have to rotate around different friends and be like, hey, can you help me Friday? Hey, can you help me Saturday? <laughs> can you help me Sunday? That's kind of how we make our yeah. content work, especially I, if we don't want to spend a lot of money. That definitely was what was happening for the first two years. And then I was like, this is enough. I can just pay somebody to help me and I'll be a lot more stress-free. Do you think that was a really good choice, hiring an assistant? It was a great choice. I, I still have her. She's amazing. And um, she helps me with a lot of my blog posts that you guys see on my blog and a lot of my photos sometimes. Yeah, I do feel like there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that is actually very time consuming. Even if it's just writing a blog post so that it is SEO optimized mm -hmm. or um, going through a blog and making sure everything is correct, all the links are linked properly. Which can um, be annoying. <laughs> all the affiliate links and all that. Or even writing captions on your stories. Those end up taking a lot of your time. And a so that's when outsourcing makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I know you said that in the beginning you were growing pretty fast and then over time it, it stagnated a little bit. And recently I've seen that you've had some amazing growth. I believe you've grown at least 60,000, if not like 70,000 new followers, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say mainly was the reason for the growth? Definitely all reels. Um, prior to that, I was very stagnant. I was even losing followers and reels came out and i feel like that has definitely is the reason why i've grown that much in the last couple months mostly i think it's a new it's just a new content content format. format that everyone's enjoying people are liking videos and they're more engaged when it's a video there's more ways to make content interesting when you have in-feed photos and you have short form videos like reels so when you were first posting, did you start right away when Reels came out and you just started posting every few days? I did start posting right away and it didn't really do much. And I was like, I don't know if this is working, but then I saw you doing it too and everyone else is doing it and it was working. So I was like, okay, just keep posting. So I told myself to who cares about the engagement and just do it. And Eventually, something picked up and I noticed that was working. Um, I think it was more like tips on photography. So I continued to do similar types of videos like that. And then that worked. And now I just kind of do fun things and helpful things because that's just what I like to do. So I feel like you just got to do what you enjoy doing and also just be very consistent and keep doing it. How many reels do you think it took until you know you had your first viral reel? I don't know, maybe twenty. Was it twenty? I don't. Yeah, a good. I think it was a good amount. Like you were doing a lot of reels, but I think in the beginning, because we're not very familiar with short form content, you know, you and I, we were used to taking <laughs> photos with our camera yeah. and editing them. Well, I was using TikTok because of. Um, the pandemic and for the whole year already almost and I tried to use that same format onto reels and it I don't think work. it I don't think it really worked and then yeah and then I started doing the tips and then that was working for reels. I do think that TikTok and reels do have a pretty different audience base and so there does need to be a different approach. Yeah. Uh, TikTok is much more relaxed and maybe 
uh, personal, but Instagram is more value driven, sometimes more aesthetic, depending mm -hmm. on the content that people are interested in. But I'm glad that you persisted and made it work because I did notice that when you were first posting reels, maybe the engagement wasn't as ideal. And this is what I always tell people when they tell me like, Hey, but my reels are not doing well. I'm like, well, how many have you posted? And then like, I did like five, I'm like, okay, well you need to keep posting. You got to keep experimenting, try different types of reels and see which one works for your account because it's different for everyone. Right. Just because like a tip uh, reel works for you doesn't necessarily, that's what uh, is good for a different account. I would also say in the beginning, I was trying to do that. I was trying to post one of each type of video just to see what would work for me. And that's eventually great... something worked. But yeah, I think that's a really good idea for people to just try a little bit of everything that you like and see what could possibly work for your account. Totally. That's what I always say. Like you got to experiment a lot and see which one picks up and then start really honing in on that. And eventually mm -hmm. I think people generally come to two to three viral formulas, you know, formulas that work for them. And then they, they really become known for that, for their reels. Yeah. Oh, I have another question. Um, did you also see an increase in rates as an influencer along with the increase in your follower count? Um, ideally, yes, your follower count does help with increase in rates, but it also depends on your engagement rate and what else is it that they're asking for. Are they asking for usage rights? Um, so that can always be more money when they're asking for more stuff. But definitely when it comes to follower count, it, it does help a little bit. Yeah. I don't know about now though. You know, a year or two, I feel like follower count definitely mattered, but right. now I don't know if it matters as much. Would you say, you know how the industry standard is supposedly 1% of your follower account and for an in-feed post, would you say like, that's somewhat accurate? Like 10K, or 100K followers, you should be charging a thousand. Right. Right. I would still say it's accurate. I feel like that's what I still use. Yeah. But then there's a lot of other factors as but well. There's also a lot because of factors, yeah. you add on stories. Um, they might want content usage. They may want exclusivity. Um, they might want extra content for them to use on social media. So there's a lot that comes into play here. But um, also, I do think the percentage relative to your follow account, like 1% or if it's mm -hmm. more, depends also on how many followers you have. As you increase your follower account, it becomes harder and harder to continue um, the same rate. Whereas like someone um, who has maybe less than 10,000 followers would charge significantly more than 1%. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I guess one thing to keep in mind as well, if brands are approaching you for reels, you do want to remember that this is video format and it takes a lot more effort to create. So you are within your rights to charge more to, uh, for a reel relative to just an in-feed post. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there are brands uh, that are more interested in real content because it gets more exposure and reach? Not yet. I do still get a lot of brands asking for just a regular post. And since I like reels and I do feel like there is more um, higher reach with reels at this time, I do ask them like, would you be interested if I did a reel instead of a post? 
just to have that option. So when I am planning out my content, I don't have to go back to them and I can just decide when I'm actually doing it. So I do that currently, but a lot of brands haven't really been asking specifically for reels. I also think it does give you a competitive edge though. Um, maybe they weren't uh, reaching out specifically for reels in the beginning, but if you can pitch to them the reels that have performed quite well, um, then you can also increase your rates and negotiate mm -hmm. better rates for yourself when yeah. you're negotiating campaigns. I also think they tend to also get, the brand also gets surprised and they go, oh, that's different and I actually really like it and they might reach back out for a second campaign. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, I guess the last part, I want to ask a few um, quick questions about like general things. So my first question is, have you ever regretted starting this influencer journey? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard no. <laughs> like if you had to start this all over again, you would do it all over again. I would do it all over again. Yeah. I'm same. very happy. Sometimes I might be complaining, but I'm not complaining that I don't want this life. Yeah. It's complaining that I'm tired or Instagram sometimes it's the algorithm. But yeah. yeah. Okay, let's see. Next question is what was the most memorable collaboration for you? Many. That's so hard. Like, right? Yeah, it's a hard one. But I would say the first press trip I went on was with Dominican Republic. And ever since then, I've worked with them twice. So, yeah, that was the very first one. I was very, very excited. And I just couldn't believe I was finally getting on a press trip. And I think I was still, yeah, working at Macy's at that time. So it was really exciting to see how a press trip works. Um, it was really fun. And then, yeah, I still have that relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Last question is, do you think influencers are here to stay? Definitely. <laughs> In one way or another, right? On one platform or another, influencers are here to stay. Yeah. I also feel like influencers have always been around, but they were just never called influencers. You were a Yelp influencer. Yeah, exactly. Before the word influencers existed. Exactly. <laughs> So we all know that nowadays to be an influencer, you do need an overall social media strategy. So what other social media platforms are you on and why did you choose these platforms to be on? So I'm on Instagram mostly. I think everybody just uses Instagram and now I'm on TikTok. It's just so brand new, but I absolutely love it. I think there's a lot of really creative people on that platform and it brings it allows me to be more creative. And the other platform is, a, is my blog. I try to write at least one blog or two blogs uh, a month. And hopefully maybe one day I would get better with YouTube. I have one, but I don't really post too much on there. Oh, you have a YouTube. I, I didn't do. know that. Yeah, I have like four videos. <laughs> um, it's hard, I can say. I'm not it's one too to, hard. I'm not one to talk. <laughs> So lastly, I just want to ask you, where do you see your brand going in the future? Do you plan to truly pivot into the lifestyle space or do you plan to start a family soon? It's both. I am definitely slowing down on traveling. There's just a few bucket list items I still want to do, but Ryan and I are trying to start a family soon. So hopefully you will see mommy stuff, mommy and me. Do you plan to have a separate page for your kid? 
I don't know yet. Um, I'm definitely going to incorporate the kid into my page because I do that already with, uh, I do a little bit of everything, my food, my, my skincare. Um, but I'll probably have a personal page for my child too, just so that, you know, I can always go back and see only their photos, more like an album. Awesome. So where yeah. can people find you on social media? Everyone can find me on Tortilla's on all of my platforms on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Pinterest, hey. and my blog. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so many gems of information and sharing your journey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.